This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hockey fans, and welcome back to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. That's RotoWire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJ S C H O L Z 24. On today's pod, we're going to talk about the fourth week of the NHL season. I can't believe we're already almost a month into this thing, AJ. Time is flying. And a number of injuries have impacted rosters still. Uh, we're going to go through and identify the most added and dropped players as well and uh, take a look at our 31 teams with a note on each of them for all the fans of all the clubs in the NHL. AJ, uh, how are you doing, buddy? Well, I'll have to ask our listeners to, to bear with me a little bit today. A uh, little bit under the weather, so apologize in advance if my voice breaks up or if I sound a little strange, but hopefully we'll get through it without any problems. But uh, as Paul mentioned before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us, and we'll try and get answers out to you right away. Uh, we really have had some great questions so far this season, a lot of interaction, and we really welcome that. Um, you know, just a, a little extra advice. Um, we get a lot of season long questions. We're happy to answer, answer daily questions as well. Um, you know, obviously time sensitive on that, but more than happy to answer any of your questions. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman 22. All right, AJ, and with that, let's roll into our show and take a look at the 31 teams uh, around the league, beginning, of course, with Anaheim, where they're happy to report that Ryan Getzlaff is back in the lineup, and we spoke of the defensive depth here. Good thing, as BXN and Fowler are now listed uh, on the sidelines. They did get uh, Hempus Lindholm back uh, last week, though, and he produced two points in three games, so he looks like he's ready to go. And uh, it turns out, as a result of all this roster shuffling, that Brandon Montour was the most added player in the past week because of increased responsibilities as a result of the stuff that's going on around him. Yeah, I'm a little surprised to see Montour on on the most added list here only because uh, he's been uh, on the the, the roster all season long. It's not like he was a call-up. Yeah, his minutes per game has increased uh, in his last five. He's up around 23 and a half minutes per game. That's a little higher than, uh, you know, what he started out as. But 
Uh, I'm a little surprised he wasn't uh, on a lot of people's radar to start off the season. Now, they did sort of get Sammy Vatanen back. Uh, he appeared in one game. Sounds like it was just a rest situation. They're heading into a back-to-back and maybe didn't want to push that shoulder injury too much. Uh, so hopefully they'll have him fully healed and ready to go looking forward. And yeah, as you mentioned, injuries still kind of hampering this team. I mean, Patrick Eve's still out. Ryan Kessler still out. Uh, you know, they did get Ryan Miller back. I have to imagine at some point here, Reto Berra is going to head back to the minors. But uh, it seems like every week it's a, it's a step forward on the injury front for the Ducks and a step back at the same time. There's a couple of teams that have been really clobbered in the nets with lengthy injury lists. And Arizona's one of them, AJ, with Antti Ranta still on the sidelines. Uh, poor performance by uh, Domingue and Aiden Hill uh, was returned to the minors. So that means next man up is Scott Wedgwood. Now, I've seen a little bit of him in the minor leagues and was fairly impressed with him in the observations that I the times I've had the chance to see his work. And he got one more shot last night and made good, earning, backstopping the, the Coyotes to their first win of the season, though it looked a little dicey when they gave up two goals in the last minute of play and it's ended overtime. But they did prevail in the extra session. And uh, as long as Wedgwood is uh, the only undefeated goalie on this team, I think he's going to get another a shot here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it didn't take much to be the, the only undefeated goalie, just uh, one appearance. But I, I do think it's an interesting question. You know, heading into the season, this was definitely anti Ranta's team uh, moving forward. You know, Domingue was going to be the backup. I don't think we're ever going to expect to see Hunter Miska or Aiden Hill up with the team. But as you highlighted, Paul, Domingue has really struggled. And I mean, that's not a far cry from what he's done the last few seasons. Uh, he doesn't have any career seasons of, of 500 uh, of each of been reaching 500, uh, just 11 wins in 31 appearances last year. So, uh, you know, we got what we expected out of there, but the injury to Rantha really opened up the door for Wedgwood. And the thing is, he, he wasn't going anywhere in New Jersey. Uh, they've got Keith Kincaid as the primary backup there. Uh, they also obviously have Corey Schneider as the starter. So uh, a good opportunity for Wedgwood and I think a good fit for Arizona. I think this will open up long term, maybe a, a, a nice battle for them uh, between Antti Ranta and Scott Wedgwood for that number one job. So you think Dominguez out of that mix? Eh? He probably blew it with some a string of poor performances, I would say. I do. I think Domingue uh, is going to f- end up finding uh, a home maybe somewhere else. Uh, signed a two-year contract extension with the club in June of 2016, so uh, he'll be, uh, he won't be under contract heading into next season, and I think it's time for them to both mutually part ways. I think a move away from the organization is probably in his best interest as well. Get a fresh start somewhere else. Well, you know what? I have to give a tip of the hat to uh, the Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand. I don't like this guy's playing style, super pest, but that's maybe part of his appeal. But look at, he's leading the team in scoring again. Uh, you know, all the talk at the preseason was, look at the development of David Pasternak and so on. He's having a fine year, but Marchand is up and running. And uh, right next to him, you can talk about a youngster who we didn't expect to see much of uh, in the early going, but Danton Heinen made an impact with a recall last week, scoring a pair of goals against San Jose. Now this kid is up to five points in five games played. Uh, there's a bit of a changeover in the Boston roster, and he's part of it. And I wonder if you agree that I think he might get an extended look based on what we see in the early returns. Yeah, absolutely. And and you did. You mentioned, uh, you know, getting younger on this team. I find it somewhat interesting that it seems to all be at the right wing position. <laughs> uh, you know, they've got Anders Bork on that top line. He seems to be really gelling with Marchant and Bergeron. 
Pasternak, as you mentioned, on the second line. They also have Jake DeBrusque on the other side. Danton Heinen, even Frank Vitrano on that fourth line. That's a really young uh, right side of their lineup, but they've all stepped up admirably. Um, I don't really foresee any reason to send Danton Heaton, uh, Heenan back down. I mean, Matt Bolesky has never really showed uh, a ton of um, uh, success for, for them, at least. He had some decent seasons, and maybe his first year in Boston was decent, uh, but last year just eight points in 49 games. So I think he's probably on the outs to begin with anyway. And so for a team that needs to get younger, especially long term, I think you're better off, uh, you know, putting a guy like Heenan in the lineup and uh, figuring out a way to, to keep him in there. Boy, in terms of figuring out stuff, the Buffalo Sabres have to figure out who the heck is going to play defense for them on a nightly basis. They've got a list of, that includes four guys on the injured list from the blue line, including Bogosian, Boilo, Falk, and Gorgeous. And, you know, we've been touting, particularly me, have been touting Antipin uh, as a guy who could be a bit of an answer on the blue line. And note that he's seeing a spike in power play time. I'd like to see this guy get upwards of 20 minutes a game and see what they have there. I'm sure this is the best opportunity he's going to get, though, in the early going. And I wonder if you agree that he might get that shot. I think he will. And and they did just just this morning uh, announce that they're going to recall Taylor Fadoon uh, from the minors. So he'll slot in as that uh, that kind of third pairing guy for them. Uh, which effectively probably rules uh, Boilo out tonight. Uh, and I, I do agree. I would like to see a bigger role for, for Antipin. I, my concern is Scandella hasn't really produced at anywhere near the level they thought he would. Had a couple of 20-point uh, campaigns while with Minnesota down year last year, and it looked like maybe this move was a way for him to kind of revive uh, or you know jumpstart the career again. Now his minutes are back up. He's upwards of 23 uh, just shy of 23 minutes per game and that's the highest of his career but it's really not paying off with just two assists in 12 games now a lot of that's coming shorthanded but I, I still agree uh, Scandella because his lack of, of offensive production right now I think Antipen might be a better option uh, for the power play and last week at this time we were talking about the call-up in Calgary of Mark Jankowski a former n- number one draft pick about four or five years ago they've taken their time bringing this kid along because he went through the U.S. college ranks fulfilling his obligation there and getting his degree and through four games I you know I'm disappointed to report when I see stuff like this he's playing ten and a half minutes a game AJ uh, for a guy who has such offensive high offensive uh, Uh, ceiling I'll say not getting much of an opportunity here I I say why bother bringing a kid up if he's going to get fourth line minutes like this it's not really an opportunity to shine Uh, only three shots on goal in that stretch Uh, they're burying this kid and I'd like to see more of an opportunity come his way absolutely agree Paul and I think with a lot of clubs what we'll see when they bring a young guy up is they'll put him on the power play Uh, it's a good opportunity to play with some of the top teams a lot of these younger guys that do get called up still have you know they got a lot of speed uh, and it's a great way to kind of get adjusted to the speed of the game with that extra attacker on the ice and they're not doing that at all with Jankowski we've seen it uh, an example that comes to mind Kyle Connor uh, with Winnipeg he's getting a a shot on the power play and so it's really a, a good opportunity to get guys comfortable and it is i agree paul it's disappointing uh it's not like they're hurting for centers right now they've got stanjan and freddie hamilton of available to to slot in there as well curtis lazar is there and so they have other guys that they could fill the middle of the lineup with and if they're not going to use them it just doesn't make sense to me 
Uh, and I think uh, it looks as of now like I'm going to be uh, shipping some money your way right. very soon here. <laughs> uh, you know, Mike Smith has actually performed pretty well. Uh, now I'll, I'll hedge a little bit. He's dropped three of his last five, but his goals against average is still under two in those five contests. So, um, you know, that's more indicative of, of a lack of offensive support. And so Mike Smith, I think, has been performing better, uh, certainly than I expected him perhaps better than a lot of other people expect, expected, except perhaps you, Paul. That's right, and that's why they call me the stats man. You know, I, I get it right <laughs> once in a while. I like to think more than once in a while it actually applies to me. Uh, for To be clear, he's allowed two goals or less in five of his last six starts. You mentioned the offense is not supporting him. He can't do much about that, but look at the goals against 231 and a 931 save percentage. That crisp U.S. dollar looks like it should be heading my way soon, <laughs> very soon, my friend. Uh, in Carolina, is another goalie battle brewing here uh, again I, I touted at the beginning of the season cam ward don't don't be prepared to push this guy right out of the mix in carolina he's been their go-to guy but they spend a lot of money to bring in scott darling and he continues to be only ordinary winning three of his eight starts so far this year with a sub 900 save percentage meanwhile ward has been shelled in terms of shots on goal in the two games that he's played but performed very very well and uh, i I gotta also mention we talk about the team speed here and all the all sorts of positives but uh, there's only a few positives when you look at plus minus particularly when they're playing at five to five five on five that may be a reflection of this young roster that's got to go through some growing pains look at a guy like Noah Hannafin is a minus seven that to me was uh, very surprising when I looked in into the details here yeah and to 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 piggyback off your plus minus uh comment there Paul you know Sebastian Ajo again I, I know we talked about this last week but still unable to find the back of the net right now and that's not what you want out of your top you know top left winger uh five assists so he is finding some ways to contribute but that's no doubt factoring into that plus minus uh, situation as well. Uh, you've got a guy like Jordan Stahl who's got three goals, but his plus minus is still at zero because uh, you know he's picked up some some power play points as well, uh, and so that doesn't really affect your plus minus. So it's indicative of some five on five struggles, as as you mentioned. And between the pipes, you know, I I don't want to put too much of the blame on Scott Darling right now, just because they they are getting. Uh, a pretty significant amount of shots allowed uh, by this team and uh, you know you saw that with Cam Ward in his his first outing he got rocked for 51 uh, only let in three and came away with the win so impressive there even in his second outing he faced 34 let in just two uh, and came up with a loss so I, I think they need to find a way to insulate these goalies a little bit from the shots on goal uh, and you know, find a way to put pucks in the back of the net because if your goaltender faces 34 shots and only lets two in, you probably should be coming away with the win because you you need to back him up more than that offensively. AJ, there are a couple, inter- a couple of interesting notes when we look at the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they've taken a hit on the blue line where Forsling and Roosevelt are injured. That weakens the defensive outlook. The Hawks are only 5-5-2, five, five and two, and I wonder if there's a regression going on here that we should be talking about in the next little while. On a positive, a couple of positive notes, though, uh, Anisimov scored in consecutive games and saw a lot of power play time. We talked about his diminished role to start the season, but I think he's going to get a, a shot to retain that second line center position. And uh, I also look at uh, uh, 
sniper that we highlighted in the preseason, Alex DeBrincat, a highly regarded uh, scoring prospect, a top draft pick by the Hawks. They've got him now suited up to play left wing on the top line with Jonathan Taves and Richard Panic. That could be a time for his offense to shine, and people should be lining up to pick this kid up if he gets that opportunity long term. So I, I don't share your optimism about DeBrincat right now. Uh, I think the speed of the, the NHL game is starting to catch up to him. He's got uh, no goals in his last eight, just two assists over that stretch, a minus six rating there as well. Um, and his shots on goal are really only 12. I mean, that's less than two per game. Uh, you know, for, for a kid touted as a, as a sniper, you want to see him firing the puck a, a way more than that. And I think the issue that the Blackhawks are having right now is that their young talent uh, that's supposed to step up really hasn't right now. And it's the opposite of what we're seeing in Boston. Boston's got a bunch of younger youngsters that they put into pretty big roles and they're handling it well. Um, that does not seem to be the case in, in uh, Chicago, rather. Uh, Nisimov has gotten uh, better uh, in his last two, but he was struggling out the gate. Uh, you know, you look at, uh, at Tommy Wingles, he hasn't really performed. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of question marks for me, uh, other than perhaps Richard Panic. He's probably the only one of their kind of young talent uh, that's done much. Five goals, three assists so far this season, although he's been held off the score sheet in his last three games as well. Well, I think we got to put another dollar on this one then. Let's see what happens with the Brinkat. <laughs> this guy's a guy that got over 50 goals a year in junior hockey, and, and I think they've brought him along slowly, and this is really... The, the tip the tip of the iceberg in terms of an opportunity that's come his way let's let's give it a couple of weeks aj and i'll be glad to revisit this with you with more positive numbers to report i'm certain of that <laughs> <laughs> over in colorado uh the goals against for this club is over three a game if you just look at that by itself you'd think they were in trouble but the and the top players are sporting minuses uh, is the bottom about to fall out on this club which is currently one game above 500 aj i mean yakupov is playing second line minutes still and he's pointless in seven games uh on the positive side though there's no matt no matt duchene noise and that's uh, that's a real surprise to me given that he was so upset uh, even before training camp so a lot going on in Colum- colorado but uh, the performance has been better than expected to date well it, it was out of the gate and i think you're right i think the bottom is going to drop out i think it actually already is uh, you look at varlamov just one and three in his last four outings a 4.03 goals against average and that includes an absolute shelling at the hands of the Golden Knights who put seven in on him on just 21 shots face. So um, I, I think there's some serious question marks there uh, about this team. Health is certainly an issue. They've got, you know, four forwards on, on IR, including Gabriel Bork, JT Comper, uh, Colin Wilson and Tyson Yost. Both of those guys are supposed to start skating soon, uh, which means they're not going to return to the lineup soon. And I think as we start to see uh, this club perform at, at the level that we were expecting out of the gate. I think they came off to a, a hot start. They've definitely slowed. I think that Duchesne noise is definitely going to pick up, and I think it should. Uh, they do need to trade him, in, in my opinion, get get a couple prospects for him. Uh, he'll carry a pretty big price tag. Uh, one confusing thing for me, Nikita Zadarov has been benched the last two games. Uh, I get his production level hasn't been great, just one point uh, or one goal and one assist uh, when he's been in the lineup. 
But I think you, for a 22-year-old defenseman on a club that's trying to build young talent, trying to really rebuild, I think benching a, a player like Zadorov is a, is a mistake. Uh, I, I'd like to see him take on you know more responsibility. He's only averaging 17.34 of ice time right now, nothing on the power play. I think you need to test this kid, see what he can do, uh, and give him more opportunities. Yeah, I thought that the that the Colorado situation would be tailor made for this guy. Who we've been waiting on him for a while, and this might be last chance saloon. But uh, if he can't convince them to give him more minutes, I don't know where he's going to go get them. So uh, tough situation for that young but talented star. Uh, in Columbus, AJ, they, there's a saying that I lean on a little bit. It says, a rising tide lifts all boats. We know that this is an improved roster, a solid roster, but we look at some of the component parts and we start to scratch our heads a little bit based on the way they're used or their pr- production in certain circumstances. I'll highlight a couple of players here to make that point. Sonny Milano, for instance, he has five goals and one assist through 11 games, but I look at the 11 minutes per game and I'm wondering if this guy's scoring at that rate shouldn't he be getting more ice time and you wonder why he's not so uh, he's getting some power play time and that might help in terms of uh, a future outlook but I can't buy into him yet uh, given uh, the current profile I wonder what your thoughts are there and then there's a third line of Calvert Wenberg and Bjorkstan that's produced six goals so that's a goal every couple of games that's nice but I don't think we should be overrating any of them too soon there's a lot of other guys that they lean on for the guts of their offense here that that are the usual folks that we will be talking about in positive and glowing terms all year long i'm pretty sure well one player that uh, came out strong i think had uh, had columbus fans you know uh, ready to to start uh, shining up stanley cup trophies to begin with was pierre luc dubois uh, a goal in the first game looked like he was going to fit in uh, nicely with this team well, he's been held pointless in his last 11. Uh, his minutes, uh, similar to Milano, just around 11 per game. So uh, another player that I don't think they're really utilizing uh, correctly. Uh, I would like to see him get more more ice time, more action. Uh, and to your point about Milano, uh, I am not buying in on him. And, and the biggest reason why is you look at his ice time the last two games. Right. Uh, it was 6.30 against Winnipeg. And that included almost three minutes on the power play. So only half of his ice time uh, came on the power play. Then against St. Louis, he saw just three minutes of action, 317 to be exact. Uh, And so just not being out there. And then on to last night, they completely benched him. They didn't even play him last night. So um, obviously that's a big concern. There's definitely, as you mentioned, Paul, something going on uh, that that hot start, the four goals in the first three games has definitely cooled, uh, you know, both uh, his prospects as well as the teams. And so I I would expect uh, maybe a move here. Uh, Maybe they consider moving him down to the AHL, kind of bring his game back around. They've they've got uh, a couple other options that they can move around at forward. Uh, So perhaps a demotion, albeit temporary, is in his future. Geez, AJ, I feel like I'm slamming slamming on a number of players today, but when I look at Dallas, I'm going to try and turn it positive for a sec. When you think of their defensive scoring there, you look first at uh, Klingberg, but uh, Essa Lindell uh, has seen a lot more time in the last four games with a regular turn on the power play as well, and he's responded with three points in that stretch, five points uh, and more than two shots a game so far this year makes him worth some sort of an investment in my eyes that wasn't, was not anticipated at the beginning of the season. Well, and that's certainly not a uh, a knock on Klingberg either. He's been performing no. 
uh, well uh, down the stretch. In fact, his last two games, uh, two of his last three games, he's got an assist, both coming on the power play. So they, they seem to have found uh, a nice uh, fit there for, for both those guys, for Lindell and Klingberg. Uh, and then as far as you know, the rest of the team goes, uh, it, I think they would like to get Steven Johns back as quick as possible. He's missed three in a row uh, dealing with a concussion, and so hopefully they'll get him back. I would expect that Lindell, after how well he's performed, is going to be a lock for the lineup the rest of the way. So maybe a Jamie Oleski uh, comes out. You know, and you talk about positives, you know, Jamie Ben doing his thing as as only he can do uh, seven goals, seven assists and, uh, you know, six of those 14 points coming on the power play as well. Uh, and him and Sagan continue to pair up well. Uh, I would like to see a, a little bit better uh, on the right wing. Uh, I think Radulov has done uh, well the last few uh, and hopefully he can continue that. I know they tried Brett Ritchie there for a little bit. That didn't seem to work out. So maybe Radulov's going to be a better fit. Yeah, that that trio. I'd like to see them be together because I think it could be the one of the most explosive lines in the entire league. Look at what Radulov did in Montreal, and look how Montreal's floundering this year. It shows you he can have an impact on on a roster. Uh, we have more positive than negative to say about the Detroit Red Wings. I'm continuing to be surprised by their early start. Now that Athanasio is back, he scored a goal and finds himself on a second line with Larkin and Man- Manta. That's a pretty good group of, of young uh, talent there on that second unit. I think his ownership should be a lot higher than 15%, though. It did go up a scant 3% last week. I think there should be a, a spike in that ownership because he's a pretty talented youngster, and I like the mix there on that unit. Uh, also, we got to talk positively and glowingly about Jimmy Howard. He's been very relevant in fantasy play so far this year, starting 9 of 13 games for the Wings with a 252 goals against and 929 save percentage. Those are great numbers. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side, Martin Furk got off to a great start, but he's now pointless in, in a string of eight straight games. Yeah, it's nice to see Howard was able to shake off uh, a four-game losing streak over the weekend, get the win over the Panthers in a in a 46 shot uh, effort uh, so certainly pulling his weight in that one uh, and as you mentioned you know that that second line now uh, is a great combo my one concern is the the goal production out of Dylan Larkin hasn't scored since opening night although he has added nine assists over that stretch so um, finding ways to contribute, but obviously you'd like to see him start putting it in the back of the net a little bit more. Uh, and then I do have some concerns about the defense as well. You know, Trevor Daly has really uh, done what amounts to pretty much nothing since arriving in Detroit. Uh, his defensive qualities have helped. You know, his block shots are are pretty decent. His hits could be better. I mean, he doesn't have a single game with more than one hit. Shots on goal are okay, but his uh, final point production is just one assist in 12 uh, 12 games. So uh, not sure what's going on there. It definitely looks like they got the Chicago version of Trevor Daly and not the Pittsburgh version. Well, you got to talk, talk about a team that's not sure what's going on there. I, I think uh, Edmonton has to be at the top of that list. At the beginning of the season, this team was the Western Conference favorite, but right now they're three games under 500, and the uh, news is rather negative when you talk about a couple of players here, specifically Ryan Strom appears to be in the bad books because he's been dropped from the top six role with only three points and a minus two in 10 games played. They paid a high price to get this guy in there, and uh, I'm already hearing that they're talking, 
exploring trade options to get rid of him. And on the on another hand, uh, Slapishev has been even worse with no points in seven games played. So there's a lot of pressure on the McDavid unit to score and score a lot because even Cam Talbot in goal has been rather ordinary. So not much positive report in Edmonton. I wonder if you have any other observations that might make Oilers fans feel a little bit better? No, I don't. In fact, it might make them feel a little bit worse. Um, You know, you talk about the pressure on Connor McDavid. Now, to say that 11 points in 10 games is disappointing, uh, I know is is crazy. But when you have a guy capable of putting up 100 points in a season, uh, he he needs to find a way to to be better. uh, And he's going to have to continue to shoulder the load for this team. I mean, he's playing over 22 minutes of ice time per game. That's defensive uh, defenseman uh, level numbers. You know, and you talk about other top players that they brought in that were supposed to contribute offensively. Milan Lucic still just five points on the year, uh, one goal, and he has really not performed up to up to snuff uh, this year at all. Pulled it together last year with a 50-point campaign in his first year in Ed- Edmonton, uh, but I think that more had to do with the players around him. Uh, to be perfectly blunt, I, I think he would really struggle if he didn't have kind of the backing of, of guys like McDavid and, and Dreisaitl and Maroon. Uh, and their, their young talent, a uh, younger guy, Kaylor Yamamoto, a 19-year-old uh, winger, he got benched the last two games. Uh, so more question marks there about what they're going to do with him. Uh, and I think they're just searching for answers right now. And, and there could be some shuffling of lines. And as you pointed out, Cam Talbot needs to be a lot better. In, in Florida, A.J. McCann and Brickley, two uh, guys that were nondescript, not big factors in our preseason and, uh, look, but they did perform early on. They're now both hurt after taking on those early season top six roles that we didn't expect. This offense, as a result, gets thinner. And uh, we note that uh, you, the president of the Anti-Niemi fan club, you must be <laughs> waving your flag because he was picked up by the Panthers with Bob, Roberto Luongo out uh, due to injury. But Bobby Lou was back at practice yesterday. I'll speak for my partner. Don't buy this insurance. Niemi is, uh, he got shelled again in a relief appearance last night. Instead, take a look at the offensive pieces, Trocek and Dadanov, both scoring at a point-per-game pace. I don't expect that to last forever, but buy the hot sticks for now if you can in Daily Fantasy if you need to fit them in. And then also keep an eye on Mackenzie Wieger. He's getting a look on the defense. He's got an offensive upside that uh, we've seen throughout his uh, development as a junior and in the American League and and they could use that in Sunrise Florida a little bit I think yeah my one concern about the Florida offense is so much of it is um, on that top line they're really top heavy you look at Dadunov, Huberto and Barkov they all have 14 points each Uh, Trocek chips in with 11 but it really starts to drop off from there Uh, and those are the only four guys in double digit points so far this season Uh, you know Vibrata has nine so not terrible numbers by him but i think there it, it really is a very top heavy lineup especially when you got brickley mccann uh both out uh and then yeah as far as goal tending goes uh, i will point out uh Antiniemi had the best outing of of the season allowed just two goals on 18 shots uh that's his fewest goals allowed in a game so far this season 
uh, still winless, still looking for that first win. Um, but maybe, you know, maybe it just takes some little bit of adjustment. Maybe you can get it together. Um, but I'm certainly not going to tell you to, to buy on that insurance plan. That's, that's darn tootin', Paul. That's the best thing you've said about him all year long. I think we've got to keep this tape. <laughs> in Los Angeles, uh, Clifford and Shore injuries weaken the bottom six there on the forward ranks. But Adrian Kempe has parlayed a hot start into a lock on the tops, the second center role with nine points in 11 games. That's because Jeff Carter, as we reported, is expected to miss most of the next two months with a pretty bad injury to his leg. Uh, The playing time for Kempe is up over 15 minutes per game, and he looks legit to me, AJ. And I have to mention Jake Muzzin, or my wife's going to hit me with a frying pan, uh, a distant relative of hers. (laughs) He's on his way to a nice bounce-back campaign with nine points in 11 games and looking all the world for me like he's ready to get back to that 40-point range. Well, Paul, I have to give you a a little bit of a hard time. Uh, You were talking so highly about Dustin Brown on one of our previous shows. He's got just one goal in the last five outings. So it looks like you you jinxed him a little bit. Uh, He's cooled off, which is certainly a concern uh, for fantasy owners. And as you mentioned, uh, the injury is really stretching the depth. They've got Brooks Light in a third line uh, role now. For the 34-year-old, anything above the fourth line, I think, uh, is is going to be a stretch. He doesn't have any points so far this season. I wouldn't expect him to start uh, contributing heavily anytime soon. Uh, and so there's definitely, you know, if Brown is uh, is dropping off a little bit, you could maybe see Pearson get a shot. Uh, but he's got just one uh, goal in his last six outings. Uh, and so there's there's definitely some offensive concerns uh, that are only going to get worse with those injuries. You went to bed early last night, didn't you? Brown scored a power play goal. <laughs> so well, that yeah, I mean, that's, that's my point, though. Yeah. That was his first his first goal in in his last <laughs> last five games. So, I'm only grinding. You know. I know you're right. He, he has, you know, you can't count on him to be at a 30 goal scorer. I mean, he, it's a nice bounce back what we've seen so far, and that's all I'm prepared to say at the moment. 12 points in 12 games, not too bad for him. Plus nine. But I don't think it's going to last, and uh, maybe you got to pull the shoot on him. If you got him, this is an opportunity to trade high, uh, sell high, uh, buy low. That's what they tell me in financial circles. Might apply to Dustin Brown at the moment, too. Over in Minnesota, Michael Granlund, finally uh, their leading scorer of this club, debuted last week. He picked up a point while averaging over 18 minutes a game, so uh, I expect the goal, the goals to come shortly. Uh, the guy who uh, may suffer for a loss of ice time there is Chris Stewart, Still in a top six role, but he's been blanked in the last three games, and he's seen his playing time to reduced to about 12 minutes a game over that span. Injuries to others may earn him a reprieve, though. Uh, sad to report that Zach Parise is going to miss at least the next two months with back surgery, and I say you got to dump him if you got him. It's too late to wait, wait on him at this point because even if he returns, uh, I don't know what to expect, and uh, he's been really injury-plagued for a long time, and uh, I can't wait on him anymore. There's other options to explore. Yeah, I agree with that, Paul. On the, on the good news on the injury front, uh, it sounds like they might get uh, Nita Ryder back. Uh, he's a game-time decision heading into tonight's game. They'll obviously need to activate him from injured reserve, uh, and I expect uh, that Zach Mitchell uh, will be the player dumped uh, for the replacement there. And so that is some good news. What that means for Chris Stewart is probably even even worse news. Uh, Nita Ryder could force Stewart down to even a fourth line role, uh, which would pair him with Matt Collin and Daniel Winnick. That's not a line that's going to put up a lot of points. Uh, and so you could see Stewart's production drop off if 
if you are looking for another guy that potentially could be a sell high uh, option as well. And then, you know, goaltending Devin Dubnik has, uh, has kind of been uh, a little up and down. He started off uh, with, you know, just one win in his first three. Then he, you know, had uh, two more losses after that, but two wins in a row now might have finally turned the corner on this season, getting his legs really under him. And those were wins over the Islanders uh, and my Penguins as well. Uh, so some, you know, some quality teams uh, that he's beating there, facing thir- over 30 shots in most of his games this season. You'd like to see that come down a little bit. Uh, but I think Dubnik uh, appears to be back on the right track, although uh, we'll get into this a little later with our lineups. I think he's going to be in trouble tonight with the w- visiting Jets. And then, you know what, there's nobody that likes to throw dirt on the next club, Montreal, more than I do. But you have to tell, uh, we have to tell the world that they come off the mat a little bit last week, uh, winning two of three home games. And then last night they went into Ottawa and roughed up the Senators with an eight spot and a convincing victory there uh, at the beginning of a, a tough, what looks like a tough four-game road swing for them. I question the club's desperation in signing Alex Hemsky. Well, He's out with the concussion symptoms, and uh, don't expect him to be back anytime soon. He's just an injury waiting to happen, is what the way I described him preseason, and that's exactly what's happened. And uh, on the positive side, they're hoping to get David Schlemko back. This is a guy who would certainly bolster their top four on defense, uh, but he suffered a hand injury and was moved onto the IR on the 24th. So they're they're hopeful that uh, he doesn't miss too much more time there. Uh, Victor Mete will stay with the club. We reported that as a 19-year-old uh, on offense. Uh, Deneau owned is only owned in 10% of the leagues, but he broke out with a four-point uh, effort on Saturday and factored in last night as well. Now in a second-line role with Pacioretty and Shaw, that's worth a long look for me. Uh, I'd, I'd snap him up if I were in a position to grab him at the center position. Yeah, I'm not uh, not ready to start buying on this team quite yet. Uh, I want to see a little bit more uh, long-term success from them. Uh, before I jump in, because I do think all the reasons that we highlighted why they were struggling in, in earlier weeks are going to continue to to plague them. You know, one player that has responded well of late is Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, he has been much maligned for the start of the season, but he's got three goals in the last four games uh, while averaging just 1230 of ice time. So he, he's capitalizing on his opportunities uh, and, and taking advantage of where he can. Two of those goals coming on the power play as well. So uh, this is one situation where they are giving the player a chance to kind of work through it. Uh, and then defensively, uh, I, I like everything that Victor Mete is bringing to the table. And they obviously have Shea Weber. Um, but after that, for me, there's some serious question marks on the second and third pairing. Uh, getting Schlemko back, I think, would help. That whole situation has been completely mismanaged, in my opinion. Uh, Mark Streit, who is a victim of that, actually announced his retirement yesterday. Uh, so I, I think that was a big mistake on how they handled that. Mark Streit should probably still be playing on the third line for this team, or third pairing for this team right now. Over in Nashville, uh, we reported on the Nick Bonino injury last week and uh, can tell you that Colton Sissons has taken full advantage to fill that role with a five-minute increase in playing time on a game-by-game basis since he got that assignment. And he's rewarded the club with two goals and an assist in the last six games, while other centers uh, that were in the mix, uh, Yarncroc and Gaudreau, have one point between them in that span. So clearly, the second-line role is Sisson's for the time being. And uh, if you believe in that opportunity, you should be snapping him up while Bonino um, is on the mend. 
Yeah, I, I do like uh, like Sissons. I, I like all all of their centers really, um, but you know, for me, uh, you have to look at other guys that are maybe struggling and see if there's some opportunities uh, for some changes down the road. Uh, Kevin Fiala, no goals playing on that top line. You have to wonder if Pontus Aberg is going to get a look, although his production has been equally bad, just one assist. Uh, and so the winger position has really been a question mark for them. You know, they've been relying, uh, honestly, in my opinion, too heavily on Scott Hartnell uh, for, for production, three goals and two assists to start the season. And he's a, still a, a very capable player and can contribute for them. I just don't think with all the young talent, they're really expecting Scott Hartnell to be one of their leading scorers uh, heading into the, the second month of the season. Yeah, I was expi- excited for him because I thought it was going to be a good opportunity, but there's just too many miles on that body perhaps, and it's starting to show early on. So uh, that's something to be wary of. A great, great point by you. In New Jersey, uh, they're dealing with injuries to a couple of forwards that they were counting on. Uh, Johansson and Palmieri both dealing with lower body injuries. Not sure how long each of them is going to be out. Now, it doesn't seem to be long term, but uh, you have to be wary of that. Uh, in, even before he was hurt, Johansson was blanked in six straight games after a hot start. One guy who's taken advantage of this is Brian Gibbons. He's on a league minimum salary, so if you're in a salary cap league, this guy's really a guy you got to be taking a hard look at. Five goals and two assists and seeing upwards of 19 minutes per game last week. His ownership stands at less than 10%. That makes absolutely no sense for me, and I'm hoping that our push today will get him up there uh, to a more reasonable rate of uh, ownership given the returns that he's providing. Well, you have to wonder if it's that uh, New Jersey Devils offense kind of stigma uh, that his, you know, people just are so, it's so ingrained in all of us, really, that the Devils aren't a scoring first team. They're defensive and goaltending minded, but that has definitely changed this year. Uh, you mentioned Paul Mary. He's not going to travel with the team uh, for their uh, road trip, which rules him out for at least three games. Uh, that'll bring his total to at least five missed uh, with this injury. Sounds like Johansson could be back sooner than later. Uh, they will, excitingly, uh, they're expected to play Brian Boyle at some point on this trip as he continues to recover uh, from you know his, uh, his cancer diagnosis. So hopefully getting him back will be a big step in the right direction. Uh, and Jasper Bratt is a player that we've talked about. Had a little bit of a slump, but a strong weekend for him. Four points in two games over the weekend and so he continues to perform well and a lot of uh, that has to do with the injuries in my opinion that he was given a shot I don't think he's a player that was on a lot of radars heading in this season but he's excelled in the opportunity that's been presented to him well and one guy who was going to get a great opportunity it looked like in the offseason was Jordan Eberly, but we reported that he really struggled out of the gate in a pairing with John Tavares that we've seen on the international stage representing Team Canada, but just didn't work out early on. Now they've made a switch and they've put Josh Bailey on with Tavares and he's been explosive in that role and meanwhile, Eberly has, fl- has flourished himself on a second line as well, so the offense seems to be reorganized and has caught fire over on the island and I wonder if you think it can last with, for instance Bailey moving up to play with Tavares. I said he's got eight points in his last six games. Well, and on the other side of Tavares, there is Anders Lee, who's got 10 points in his last six as well. So it does seem to be a good combination. My concern is the the shuffling that we've seen over the years in New York. Uh, there is a you know a new coach now, and so maybe that'll change 
uh, what we see there. If they can keep these guys together and they can keep clicking, it seems like Lee, Tavares, and Bailey is going to be a great pairing. Uh, and then, as you point out, Eberly seems to be doing well with Barzal and Nelson. And that really, the thing I like about moving Eberly down is it gives you more um, depth in your scoring. It gives you really two good scoring lines. Uh, and so there's there's some definite positives there. Uh, in, in, in the Nets, I, I think we have to consider that Halak is probably taking over full-time as the number one starter there. He's on a four-game win, uh, winning streak. Uh, his goals against average a little bit higher, 2.69. I mean, it's not outrageous, um, but you know you would expect that to be a little bit lower for, for a four-game winning streak, but uh, his offense has helped him out as, as necessary, and I think he's got firm grip on that starter go- uh, starting job. In uh, New York with the Rangers, we can report a healthy roster over there. Uh, one note that was interesting to me was a youngster by the name of Boo Nieves was called up to be a depth center. He responded with a three-assist effort in his second game for the Rangers. He's another big body type who fits in with some of the other guys on this roster and was born in nearby Syracuse, so you know he's going to be a fan favorite there. Adam Cracknell was released to make room. Uh, he has no fantasy relevance, and I don't expect him to be picked up anywhere too soon. A 3-7-2 and two start for this club though is really what's newsworthy and it's it's mirrored by the poor starts of Lundquist and Nash though I will say that I saw Nash play a very good game on the weekend maybe the worm is turning for him Lundquist though I don't have an explanation for the poor start that we've seen out of him no I I think it's been poor decision making honestly in the games I've watched um, making you know bad bad timing for going behind the net and playing the puck other times when maybe he should have played the puck and he stayed in net so uh, I question that decision making a little bit. They benched him for two games, essentially. Uh, you know, Pavlosek got the start in the last two. Lundqvist will be back in between the pipes tonight against the Golden Knights, which isn't an easy assignment. But maybe the two games off helps settle uh, King Henrik down, and maybe he can get back to being the the dominant netminder that he has been for for so long. Yeah, we, I mentioned about the Ottawa Senators getting torched last night by the Canadians. Uh, they, they are also missing Cal Turris. He missed a couple of games during uh, due to illness, and maybe he was a little bit slow last night. I don't know if he played, actually, to be honest with you. Maybe you can look into that for us, AJ. Uh, he is expected to be back this week, but I don't like his minus four rating. Uh, that was before last night's tilt, too. Uh, meanwhile, Eric Carlson hasn't really missed a beat with nine assists in his first six games played. He got another helper last night, I think, too. On the positive side, uh, former Maple Leafs farmhand Chris DiDomenico has a third-line role here, and he produced three points last week, and I think he factored into the scoring in last night's game as well. Zingle is uh, the positive surprise of the early going so far this season on the top line left wing. That's a bit of a surprise to me because I didn't think he had the pedigree to pull that off. Yeah, what uh, to, to Kyle Turris, uh, he did not play last night. Uh, he's missed three in a row. Uh, it does sound like he's trending in the right direction, so maybe he can be back on Thursday. Uh, my concern with with how this lineup shaking up right now is that they continue to field uh, seven defensemen and just eleven forwards. I, there's a reason that teams don't do that, uh, you know, for long stretches. Now, obviously, Terse is out. Bobby Ryan's hurt, um, but they do have a youngster, Max McCormick, who I think has shown uh, some decent talent, especially in the minors hasn't really gotten much of a shot he's just got 30 uh, nhl games and i think he's more than capable of filling in that fourth line uh rather than having you know mark burrow uh on that on that fourth line or essentially shuffling around however they're they're figuring it out so 
Uh, I do have long-term concerns about that. I would like to see them get back to being, you know, 12, 12 forwards, six defensemen. It's a recipe for success that's worked for many, many years when it comes to, to filling out a hockey roster. Exactly. So uh, in Philadelphia, I want our listeners to keep an eye on the Shane Gosses bear situation as he may be in concussion protocol after taking a big hit in Toronto on Saturday. I'll more, have more to say about that later on. I like the fact that the Flyers have reunited Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux after they were separated most of last season and both underperformed throughout that campaign. These guys are both really rolling right now, and uh, Couturier is the guy that's the center on this line. He saw a 16% rise in his ownership last week and is definitely a guy that should be targeted in season long. A memo to smart coaches everywhere with regard to the two guys that I mentioned up front. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. There was no reason to separate these guys last year, and the fact that they're reunited and are on fire just underlines that point. Well, hopefully they don't decide to revert back to to moving them around uh, whenever they get Nolan Patrick back. Uh, He's on IR, going to spend a little bit of time out of the lineup, although they likely put him on retroactive IR, so they could probably reactivate him uh, really at any point uh, heading forward. And so uh, I think the concern, uh, again, for this team is is depth outside of that top line. You know, without Patrick in the lineup, I, I think it gets a little bit stretched. You know, you have Jory Laterra, who they essentially just, you know, let watch games for the first uh, six outings, is now in their third line. He's got just one assist. Uh, in his his appearances this year clearly they're not high on him and so the fact that he's in a third line role and then as you mentioned the defense is getting really stretched Uh, they called up Samuel Morin to replace Goss's bear only to find out Morin was dealing with an injury so they had to call up Mark Alt uh, last night and so some some serious question marks about uh, the front office decision making there Uh, you have a guy who's supposed to replace, you know, be in the lineup and you call him up and he's already injured and not really sure where the miscommunication happened on that one, but it's something that they definitely need to address going forward. And, you know, Brian Elliott continues to to struggle in between the nets. He's given up 12 goals in his last three games. Uh, that's certainly not good enough to get this team where they want to go. But unfortunately for them, Michael Newverth hasn't fared much better this season either. Uh, and that's you know really to have been expected in in my opinion in pittsburgh a lot of the concerns that i have revolve around the defense defense i'm sure you share that uh, with the depth on offense that we can certainly tout every week hunwick and schultz both in concussion protocol that means the defense is going to take a bit of a hit uh schultz should come out of that protocol sometime this week uh, with a healthy latang and maturing olimata rolling along though schultz's offensive totals are certainly taking a hit with only three points and 10 games played after a superb season last year that people must have bought in high at the beginning of the season and they're wondering about the future well it doesn't bode well for him with the other two guys rolling along and, ter- and up front i'll also say uh brian rust is high his ownership is higher than i think it should be at 56 percent he's got only one point in his last seven games and i i know he's been plugged into top six roles from time to time but I bet even you don't think that he deserves that kind of ownership. No, that's definitely high, uh, in, in my opinion. Now, it, it's solely due to the fact that he's primarily playing with Malkin and Kessel. Right. And you would think, uh, you know, anybody capable of lacing up a pair of skates could get a couple points paired up with those guys. Um, but that clearly has not been the case. Uh, I don't foresee him getting bumped from there. Uh, Mike Sullivan seems pretty comfortable with the the 
lines that he's got right now. Uh, I don't think he wants to break up Hagelin, Hornquist, and Sheehan. Uh, Those guys have been performing really well together. So that really leaves you the option of do you put you know, Tom Kunakel up in the second role, uh, maybe Josh Archibald on the second line, although he hasn't really played lately. Um, a lot could change when Carter Rowney comes back, but even then I think he just play, replaces Greg McKegg on that fourth line role. So I don't see rust going anywhere. Uh, so I don't think, I don't think it would be bad to hold on to him. Um, but as far as, you know, his ownership, I, I definitely didn't expect it to be that high defensively i think the key is that that schultz has been playing with mata and mata's really stepped up his game offensively i would like to see mata continue to play with chad ruriedel when schultz gets healthy and pair uh schultz back up with cole or even have mata with hunwick i think if schultz can get to playing with a more defensive minded guy like ian cole who he spent most of last season playing with uh the that his production will go back up and as far as the team in general goes, I definitely have some concerns about the complete lack of effort that seems to show up every couple of games. Uh, they got shelled again, seven to one over the weekend. And for whatever reason, this team just uh, cannot put it together on a night to night basis. They'll go out, they'll have the two overtime winners in hard fought games, goaltending battles. Uh, and then they come out just flat in a seven one, you know, beat down for lack of a better term. I think this team needs to really uh, look uh, at itself and improve its consistency. Well, in terms of looking at somebody, I was really anxious to get a look at Brett Burns last night, AJ. The Sharks, a superstar defenseman, has been held off the score sheet in terms of goal scoring and only had six assists along with a minus seven heading into last night's game. If you look at the box score, you'll see that he had nine or ten shots on goal. But I'm here to tell you, none of them was a great scoring opportunity, or maybe one out of the whole lot. And that explains a little bit of the difference from him this year to last. He's just not getting into those prime scoring opportunities and not even launching bombs from the blue line. It's kind of a wrister to get a deflection in front of the net is what I saw out of him last night. So that's a bit of a difference in in, uh, his game uh, at the moment. And I'd like to see him be a little more assertive as he was when he was playing well in the first half of last season. But we're still seeing the guy that performed in the second half and, and really took a bit of a dive in terms of his overall profile and that's what we forecast at the beginning of the season joe pavelski and uh, jumbo joe thornton sport minus four minus five respectively that's not good news and no wonder this team is uh, right around the 500 mark despite top-notch goaltending again uh, martin jones delivering there yeah i think the problem for that those two guys uh, on the top line is that they don't really have uh, a left winger uh, that has found some success other than the hot start uh, Kevin LeBanc had, right. uh, but he's really cooled off uh, just two assists in his last seven games. They tried Donskoy up on that top line for, for a game or two. That didn't really pair off uh, either. You have to wonder if Burns's uh, lack of off, you know, lack of goals has anything to do with not having Paul Martin to back him up. You have to wonder if he's playing a little bit timid, uh, trying to cover more for the youngster Joe Kim Ryan, uh, who is supposed to have, you know, based on everything we've seen from him in the minors uh, and in his younger days, is supposed to have a lot more offensive talent than he's uh, shown. He's pointless in his nine appearances. So, uh, and they've been shuffling it up too. I mean, you look at their their minutes. Ryan's not even at at 18, while Burns continues to see upwards of 25. So, 
they're they're clearly not playing all of their time together which is something that you know Burns has definitely had with Paul Martin so you have to wonder uh, if that injury is really factoring into the 32 year old slow start uh, you know what? I have an opportunity to type, hype another player instead of uh, slagging on him, so I'll do that with the St. Louis Blues. I'm buying into Paul Stastny big time, not only because of his 11 points in the last in 12 games, but I note a sharp increase in his shot rate, and that's one of the telltale signs that tells me this guy's becoming more of an offensive factor and feeling good about his game and not really nicked up uh, with injuries that he's dealt with in the past. 29 shots on goal in 21 in uh, in 11 games played. That's that's pretty nice rate. He's a central figure in their offensive scheme. Maybe facing less attention now that Braden Shen is fronting another solid scoring unit over there. The goaltending has been rock solid as we expected. The only sour blue note. You see what I did there? Blues. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Magnus PRV AJ with a scant two points in 12 games playing a third line role uh, we've talked about last chance saloon uh, it's maybe a little early to project that for PRV but you need to see more more production out of him than that don't you yeah absolutely uh, and I think the the issue is uh, a lot of it at least is his production last year was primarily uh, with you know some some top talented guys, you know, they, they put him on into top six roles. Now I like everything that both Oscar Sundquist and Bull Bennett, his current line mates can offer on the ice, but they're not, neither one of those guys is, you know, 20 goal scorers. Um, and so Pryarvi is not going to get any help. He's really going to have to go to, uh, uh, alone. And, you know, Sabotka is down to, to a second line role, but it seems to be fitting him nicely. He's got two goals in his last two games. Uh, after going goalless in his first uh, 11 games of the season. So that's clearly working out well for him. So Boca, Statsny, and Steen making up that second line. Uh, I think everything seems to be clicking uh, for those at least top you know, top six guys. Uh, so hopefully they can continue to thrive. And, yeah, as you said, the goaltending, uh, Allen and Hutton may be one of the top uh, duos so far this season. Well, and the team that I picked to be at the top of the league at the end of the season is uh, the Tampa Lightning. And the Bolts uh, have given me no reason to feel any different so far this season, AJ. We uh, knew all the top players would perform, but you can now include uh, Sergachev, Nemesnikov, and Braden Point as more key producers now. Is it any wonder that they're rolling as well as they are? And Vasilevsky's passed all the early tests, being great in goal in his first tour as a number one. Look at the numbers there. 220 goals against and a 936 save percentage before last night's game. And uh, they're looking all the world like they can play any style you want. You want to get into a shootout, they can match you. If you want to play button-down defense, they can match that too. Yeah, Vasilevsky actually had finally, a, uh, not finally, that makes it sound like I was looking for it, but <laughs> had a, a bad game. Uh, last night gave up five goals and still came away from the win to your point about about a shootout that's nine in a row for Vasilevsky uh, so he as you mentioned is rolling an early favorite uh, for the Vesna trophy and there's really not much you can say as far as knocks on this team uh, you know you'd obviously like to see him get Eric Condra and Cedric pa- uh, Paquette back but based on how uh, others have performed in their stead, you could see either one of those guys uh, not getting an opportunity in, in the lineup. You know, Chris Kunitz has added uh, a, a decent amount of, of depth scoring, uh, you know, just four points, but he wasn't brought in, you know, to be a 20-goal scorer for them. 
more of a, a fourth line uh, grinder option and he's doing that certainly really well so there's there's nothing really bad uh, to say about this team right now well and in toronto and on the other hand uh, there's a lot to say bad about that club aj you're giving me some great lead-ins here on today's show <laughs> uh, this team may be guilty of buying into the hype after sleepwalking in two home games last week they followed that up with almost a no-show in san jose last night where they got almost outshot by a ratio of much better than two to one and we're lucky to stay in the game only because freddie anderson kind of stood on his head he for his part has been less than stellar uh, but last night was a good bounce back game for him the defense has been exposed over the last little while though on the plus side nazem kadri's well on the way on his way to duplicating a solid two-way campaign that he enjoyed last season he notched number seven last night and has been getting the tough assignment defensively all year long and delivering the goods there the in fact the whole team of centermen has really excelled in the face-off circle making this a top possession team they, they were bro- broke even against San Jose last night, though. They were matched in this face-off circle, and that might have been part of the reason they didn't fare so well. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing to see him, you know, put together uh, a subpar f- performance when their teammate Patrick Marlowe going back to San Jose for the first time. You would have hoped uh, that they could have stepped up a little bit better, although I'm sure some of those Sharks were motivated to beat Marlowe uh, after he left them. Uh, high and dry by by heading for seemingly greener passers. Uh, one player I do want to highlight that uh, just got called up, Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, he former Penguin uh, prospect was included as as a as a trade chip uh, and one player that I was not happy to see depart my organization for yours. I think he should uh, get a look, maybe on the fourth line, maybe even the third. Uh, I would expect Kapanen could probably produce uh, maybe a little bit better than a guy like Connor Brown if given the opportunity or even moving over to the other side playing left wing over Matt Martin. Uh, I would like to see him get plenty of opportunity. I think he can be a great addition to an already uh, talented young team. And for all of your friends out there, Paul, uh, that are you know panicking and screaming for the exits i think the maple leafs will be just fine it's a long 82 game season this is just a minor hiccup and they'll get back to rolling sooner rather than later i feel better <laughs> over in vancouver the sedines are both averaging around 14 minutes a game that's something that i didn't really expect but the production is what's more alarming only seven points between them so far it looks like the rookie coach travis green is quietly overseeing a change of the changing of the guard here with young guns like Bozer, Horvat, and Berchie getting more playing time and providing much more offense. So that's what's the good news there ahead of the goaltending tandem, which has been really great so far. I uh, didn't expect to be saying that about Markstrom and Nilsson, did you? No, absolutely not. Um, I do think it's interesting that it seems like Nilsson has taken over as the number one. Uh, heading into the season, you would have thought this was Markstrom's shot at it. Uh, after they got rid of uh, Ryan, well, not got rid of, they didn't re-sign Ryan Mer- uh, Miller in the offseason. Uh, but Markstrom's had some phenomenal outings of late. Uh, he's 3-1 and one on the year, goals against average of 1.89, or Nilsson, rather, has been great. Uh, Markstrom, for his, uh, you know, solid as well, an overtime loss last night with just two goals allowed. So you're, uh, for me, I'm going to blame that on the offense more than, than on the netminder there. Uh, so both of these guys really standing out. But I do think it's interesting and important to note that it seems like Nilsson has taken over as the number one. 
uh, AJ in Vegas. We finally get to talk about this team after a poor performance last night, really. But an 8-2 and two record is indicative that not much is wrong with the expansion club. Uh, they just can't keep goalies healthy over there. They lost a fourth one, it seems, already this season last night. We can talk about that a bit. But uh, Vadim Chipachov's noisy exit is not a good thing uh, in terms of the pu- public relations part of this team. Uh, he made a lot of noise about the fact that he wasn't used properly and, and basically uh, as, uh, executed his ouster uh, on his own terms, apparently. The Knights will also be on the road and then a lot in the next couple of weeks. We'll see how they navigate that part of the schedule. How good has this club been year-to-date? Eric Halla with a minus one in five games played is the club's only minus player. It's been pretty steady over there in the expansion uh, roster. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get on my, my mini rant here uh, regarding Shipashev. Uh, I think the the issue in my uh, ob- observation of this team is that they just weren't ready for whatever reason to get rid of all those defensemen that they were carrying uh, in Griffin Reinhardt and uh, uh, the other, there was another guy they sent down that I'm blanking on right now, but uh, their, their unwillingness to put risk, putting those guys on waivers, I think is what saw Shipasev. Uh, down in the minors repeatedly because they didn't have a spot for him on the roster. I think that was a big mistake. It felt like they were waiting for some sort of trade market to materialize for these other guys, and it just didn't. Uh, On the upside for them, they did bring up Shea Theodore. He's probably going to get a pretty good look with the team. I'd I'd be surprised uh, if he heads back down, although they didn't end up playing him last night, which, again, I think is a mistake. Uh, they stockpiled so much defense that I think they just overlooked the fact that Shibashov isn't some young uh, prospect coming over for the first time. You know, this is a 30-year-old player uh, who left money on the table in Russia to come over. And so I think it was a, a big mistake on, on their part. And as you highlighted, as far as goalies go, they've only got one more left. Uh, that's not injured with Oscar Oscar Dance picking up that injury. That's Dylan Ferguson uh, playing in juniors right now. Max uh, Legacy, it looks like he'll probably be the starter. Hopefully they can get Flurry or Subban or maybe Dance injury isn't that bad. Um, but as far as uh, signed goaltenders, they only have two left that aren't currently injured. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty thin back there. Maybe they had to trade defenseman for a goalie. We'll see. We'll see if we can watch for that. But uh, that'd be tough to pull off. In Washington, speaking of goalies, the Caps net miners are seeing over 34 shots on goal a game so far. That's ridiculously high and totally unexpected over here uh, in seasons past. Apart from a bad start against Vancouver, though, Braden Holtby has been really solid. A telltale sign on offense here shows Tom Wilson on third line still. He's a career fourth liner. I'll argue that with everybody. Uh, Lars Eller needs to pick up his play as a third line center here because after the top two lines, it gets really thin. It's like falling off a cliff offensively. I'm thinking this team's in for a tough season. Yeah, I definitely agree, Paul. Uh, I think, you know, Smith Pelly could get a look uh, in a top six role in, in favor of Tom Wilson, uh, but his, you know, long term production isn't much better either. So, either way, I think you're right now they're going to be forced to put somebody into a top six role uh, that just doesn't have a lot of scoring uh, pedigree. You know, they hopefully will get Burakovsky back at some point uh, in December here. That should hopefully help uh, kind of bolster that. He's a little bit more of a, a goal scoring option for them. Uh, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, the net miners have really been shelled. 
Uh, Philip Grubauer is yet to get a win this season, uh, despite his five appearances. Uh, uh, Several outings of of high 30s, even a 40 uh, shots against per uh, night. So he's really uh, faced a lot of rubber for a backup netminder and hasn't been able to get a win. He's his goals against average is up over four. Uh, if they can't figure out a way to to protect these guys a little bit, I agree with your assessment, Paul. They are going to be in for a very long and disappointing season uh, that could precipitate a uh, a coaching change in in uh, the u.s capital wow big call there the hot take from aj uh to round out our 31 teams you look at the winnipeg jets and we talk about their goalie situation too and i nailed this at the beginning of the season i think you agreed connor hellybuck has secured the top goalie role here with a 205 goals against average a 937 save percentage uh, and undefeated in seven appearances. Meanwhile, Steve Mason is still looking for a first win with a, f- and a uh, bloated 484 goals against and a lousy 872 save percentage. In terms of the offense, we can note that Kyle Connor has the luxury of that first line role and has produced four points in five games playing with the two giants uh, that, that man that, that unit, Wheeler and uh, Shifley up front. My, my concern with Kyle Connor is that they'll make uh, the mistake of sending him back down when, when Matthew Perot is uh, healthy, uh, as well as Adam Lowry, uh, the you know the benefit for the the club is that Connor can be moved without having to go on waivers. But he's performed at at such a level and is fitting in so well in that top line. I'm really hoping that they take the risk of waiving somebody else like a Marco Dano, uh, you know maybe a Matt Hendricks, Joe Armia perhaps risking waving one of those guys in order to keep connor up when they have to you know stay under that 23 man uh limit and uh yeah as far as the net mining goes you know it was really hellebuck or or bust uh, in my opinion steve mason wasn't going to be the option here uh, and he lived up to to all of my expectations uh hellebuck has exceeded what i thought i i really believed uh he could be a good net miner but he hadn't really shown it yet uh, undefeated in regulation at this point uh, does have the one overtime loss uh, but he uh, has performed really really well so far aj it's time to give a nod to our friends at fanduel by reminding listeners that uh, we've enjoyed fantasy football all year long at fanduel there's fantasy football for everyday fans new contests starting every week no busted seasons at all something for everyone just lots of contests to choose from starting at just a dollar even just pick a contest choose your team and watch your score rise in real time you know what we're eight games eight weeks into the season uh, Carson Wentz and the Eagles are rolling along at a 7-1 record uh, a lot of people didn't expect that but maybe the top uh, first first round pick is finally getting it and looking like the the guy that they drafted in that slot uh, for his part Drew Brees a perennial star in in uh, rotisserie uh, football leads the Saints to a fifth straight win that was something that wasn't forecast uh, and then we saw a brutal call in, in that game with Chicago's tight end Zach Miller uh, having a touchdown catch taken away, but almost losing a leg in the resulting injury that he had to deal with. But at least that play left me wondering, what the heck is a catch anymore, AJ? I still don't concede to you the play by Des Bryant in Green Bay in the playoffs a few years ago. That was a catch. And speaking of the Cowboys, D-Day number three, or was it four, came for Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott, and it looks like he may be forced to serve that suspension. So uh, not a lot of positives for me on the in terms of my team at the moment but still a burn in my saddle about that non-catch a few years ago. 
Hey, Paul, it's really simple. You just have to main possession as you go to the ground. I mean, Dez clearly did not do that. Uh, that was clearly obvious. All right, I might just be needling, needling you a little bit on that. Um, I'm not exactly sure uh, what exactly is and isn't a catch. But in my opinion, if ever there was a situation in which it should have been a catch, uh, that Zach Miller play was definitely it for me. Uh, you have to feel for Miller. I, in my opinion, it, it almost certainly is going to mark the end of his career, uh, given his age, the recovery timeline you're looking at. I mean, it's not just a vascular surgery. Uh, it's the ligaments in the knee that will have to be replaced. And for a 34-year-old tight end, uh, I just don't see him coming back been interesting to actually see some trades being made a little bit of breaking news from this morning uh you mentioned the eagles rolling well they just added jay ajay on on trade uh, and then we saw garoppolo heading over to san francisco so some trades coming in uh and some teams uh trying to get better obviously garoppolo is a, a long-term move jay ajay to hopefully boost uh, an already uh, pretty decent eagles team yeah, I was looking at the compensation in both those deals, and it wasn't even a first-round pick involved in either trade. So the Eagles, a team that is strong, already potentially got really stronger with the addition of maybe a guy who can be a game-breaking running back to augment their passing game. Garoppolo will get the nod as the starting quarterback in San Francisco before too long, maybe right away even, in fact. But certainly is going to be a good insurance policy, too, to what they have there at the moment. So a good situation for both players moving into the those roles and really not uh, the team's giving up not too much in terms of compensation to get those players as well over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing FanDuel, and so we urge you to do the same to take advantage of our special offer for new users sign up today at fanduelcom slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the nfl sunday million which offers more than one million dollars in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Of course, these contests are void where prohibited. AJ, we have a thin slate of only three games here. Why don't you uh, line them up for us? Yeah, so it'll be Vegas coming off that back-to-back against the Rangers tonight. As I mentioned, it's probably going to be Legacy in goal for them because they don't have any other options uh, right now uh, unless uh, some more news has come out. Right now, they don't even have a backup ready to play. Uh, could be an emergency goaltender. Maybe they put an equipment manager uh, in some gear tonight to be the backup. Uh, and then you have Arizona also coming off a of back-to-back against Detroit. Uh, you've got the the Wings uh, favored minus 190 right now with a five and a half over under. That game's at 7:30. Uh, and then the third and final game of the night, uh, Winnipeg travels uh, to Minnesota at eight o'clock. A wild favorite in that one, minus 140 with a 5.5 over under. And just a quick note uh, before we get into our lineups, Paul, uh, I want to just point out with such a small slate, in my opinion, owners, uh, fantasy players, you really only have five teams to pick from because you're going to pick your goalie uh, and then you you generally don't want to pick against your netminder. So you really need to nail which team is going to be the big winner for tonight. Paul, out of these six clubs, is there one that you think can definitely be a lock for that win tonight? I'm looking at the Rangers against that depleted Vegas net mining situation. In fact, I've got my bags packed. I'm taking my daughter's goalie equipment, and I'm going to volunteer for the photo op at the end of the <laughs> Vegas bench tonight. So I think I can get to the New York in pretty short order. If anybody needs me, uh, the line will be free in a couple of minutes here. Uh, so the Rangers, <laughs> I think, despite Lundqvist's early troubles, they, they have a clear edge in goal, and certainly throughout the roster, maybe on the second and back-to-backs, we're going to see Vegas take it on the the chin so that's to me the easy win proposition here 
What do you think? Well, I, I do like that call, uh, Paul. They're coming off a of back-to-back. They're on the road, uh, and they don't really have a goalie. Um, <laughs> for me, though, uh, the team I'm stacking tonight is going to be Winnipeg at Minnesota, uh, partially as a bit of a contrarian pick. And I know Dubnik's been good. Uh, I am a little worried that Connor Hellyabuck will finally uh, end his, uh, his win streak right now, so uh, that does concern me. But I'm going to ride that team, hopefully, for as long as they can, and hopefully that gets me through one more night. So to that end, I'm going to start off with Mark Scheifele. Uh, big, big bucks for that one. He's the highest uh, highest uh, center for tonight at 7,600, and I definitely think he's worth it. Uh, on the low end, I'm going to go Derek Stepan. Arizona-Detroit, I think, could be a matchup that yields a lot of goals. We talked Jimmy Howard's been better uh, lately. Uh, but this is also, I think, a, a team that you can take advantage of with some decent options. Uh, wingers, I am going to use James Neal. Uh, I think the Rangers have really struggled, as we highlighted. The goaltending's not not phenomenal of late. Neal's 7,800, so big bucks there as well. I'll go back to Winnipeg with Blake Wheeler, 7,400. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Clayton Keller. He's the hot hand in Arizona uh, for 6,100. I would expect his ownership to be pretty high in daily contests tonight. Uh, so just keep an eye out on that. If you want a contrarian option, uh, maybe don't go with uh, with Keller at 6,100. You can maybe go with a David Perron for 5,900. They're kind of interchangeable as far as how much room you have there. And then my low number guy is going to be Kyle Connor for Winnipeg, uh, 3,500. Basically, I'm going that whole top line for the Jets tonight, and Connor makes it viable to do so because of such a low, low price tag. He's getting power play minutes, uh, and so for me, I think that number is a little low. Uh, defensively, I'm going to go with Arizona, uh, so kind of a, a joint Arizona-Winnipeg stack uh, that I'm putting together tonight. I got, um, or actually, I'm going to go Detroit with the first one. Sorry, Mike Green for 5,100. Uh, and so going both sides of that matchup and then back to Arizona with Jason Demers at 3,800, uh, both guys, uh, aren't blowing the doors off. Um, but there are very few defensive options tonight. You really have to pick and choose your guys. Um, there's, there's nobody really outside of Dustin Bufflin, uh, that's going to cost you a lot of money. So you're kind of just picking your best options from there. And then my final Winnipeg guy, Connor Hellybuck tonight, 8,100. Uh, hopefully he continues that hot streak. That's what I did with my lineup. Paul, uh, how did yours shake out? Well, I started with a veteran uh, in Detroit. We talked about their second line. Their first line's been pretty good, but Zetterberg uh, centering that, and I got him in there for $6,400. Miko Koiva, one of the better playmakers in hockey uh, for Minnesota. That's a tough out at home. Uh, Minnesota always plays well there, and I think they'll give Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg a tough time tonight. He's only priced at $5,600. Players are performing well around him, too, so I expect him to hit the sheet. In terms of the wingers, I said Rick Nash looked good the other day. I'm hoping that he parlays that into another solid effort. $6,200 looks like a cheap price tag against Vegas. Uh, Thomas Tatar, $5,800. I'm betting on Detroit in a big way tonight in that matchup. So he, he and Gustav Nyquist at $5,400 are two of my wingers. And I'm, I'm also throwing a second New York winger in the mix in Matt Zuccarello. The power play for the Rangers should have a field day tonight. 
And then anchoring that power play on defense is one of my two picks back there. Kevin Shattenkirk, $5,800 is his price tag. And then I still have the opportunity to fit, on, fit in Oliver Ekman Larson. Win or lose, this guy makes the score sheet because he pours lots of shots on goal every game, runs the power play, and is one of the few guys that plays upwards of almost 27 minutes a game when, when he's used properly. $5,500 his price tag. You won't see it that low too often this season. And I already mentioned in goal, Henrik Lundqvist gets the nod. I'm paying up to get him at $8,600, but I think that's the lock of all locks uh, tonight uh, to get that win. What does the optimizer have in store for us tonight? Yeah, so uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, we, as I said off the top, we don't recommend playing players against your netminder. Now, with such a small slate, there might be some exceptions to that, and so I'll give the optimizer a little bit of a break on this one. Um, It's going to start with Eric Stahl from Minnesota, 6,800, and then Dylan Larkin, uh, with Detroit, 5,400. We talked about that second line is starting to click there, so I think that's another solid pick. Uh, Optimizer is a fan of my James Neal pick as well as my Blake Wheeler pick, getting them in at 7,800 and 7,400. Then it goes to Max Domi uh, for 5,300. That's a pretty low price tag for a top-line player and top power play option. Uh, and then Alex Tuke for, for Vegas, uh, 3,500. i got to be honest, when I re-ran the optimizer, I did seriously consider uh, trying to switch things up and, and putting Tuke into my lineup. Um, but I stuck with what I had, but I do think that's a great call. And then it's all Winnipeg from there on the back end. Dustin Bufflin at 6,100. Jakob Truba for 4,300. Both guys playing on the power play. And then the optimizer likes Connor Hellebuck in goal for 8,100. So as I mentioned off the top, it uses Eric Stahl against Hellebuck on a small slate like this. You might be able to get by it. I don't love it. Um, but you could certainly justify it. Yeah, I don't love it either. I think that's too many guys in Minnesota from Winnipeg. I'm sticking with the home side in that matchup. And uh, we'll remind our friends, our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods Monday to Friday where we focus on all four North American sp- sports all year round in our DFS pods where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day, just like we try to do in our segment here. It's time for the stud of the week, and uh, you know what? i got to give the nod to John Tavares this week, AJ. This Toronto-area native should be regarded as one of the biggest stars in the whole league. Hardly anyone is noticing in the last couple of years, though, because the Islanders have been not very relevant in, in real, uh, real uh, standings and fantasy play. Well, a pair of hat-tricks for the big guy made a lot of people, including me, notice him again, and he's in the last year of a contract on the island. We'll talk about that. As the season progresses, I'm sure. He's only 27 years old. Why would he or should he stay there? I can't think of a good reason. He just reminded all of us, though, how dominant he could be, and I'm sure a lot of GMs are salivating at the prospect of trying to fit him in to their clubs. He could be a real difference for a club that's close. Hmm, I don't know. Do I know of any that are close to where I live here in Toronto? I think <laughs> I can think of one, I think, AJ. <laughs> well, I think the biggest question mark is going to be paying the price the Islanders are going to be asking for him. Uh, And I'm not sure if that won't be too steep, even for a club looking to make a deep playoff run that might be based out of Toronto. Uh, Now, granted, they'll have to probably settle for less to uh, get something rather than nothing if he doesn't resign. Um, But unless you really think that Tavares is going to be the missing piece on a Stanley Cup winning team, in my opinion, why not just wait until next season and take a crack at him in free agency? I mean, especially Toronto. You've got local local boy coming home storyline uh you've got a talented team that anybody's going to want to play with uh i think the the pitch to him in the offseason would 
be uh, tremendous. And then you're not really giving up anything to get him. Uh, of course, you know, you do always want to win now, win when you can. Um, but I'm not sure if he's the one sole piece that they need right now uh, to win a Stanley Cup that he's worth giving up whatever the Islanders would ask for him. Boy, you made me think now, if ever, if ever there was a guy that would take a hometown guess, discount, you wonder if he might be the guy to Toronto and that might... They might be able to fit him in somehow. That'd be awesome to see him and Matthews as a one-two punch here at center. But I'm dreaming out loud here. I should stop <laughs> that. In terms of the rant of the week, uh, I was at the the game on Saturday between Toronto and Philadelphia, and if uh, and I thought if I would be talking to you about a headshot, I'd certainly be talking about a flyer player against a Leaf player. But I'm not. I'm going the other way. Leo Komarov of the Leafs took a healthy run at Philly D-man, Gostas Bear, and stapled his head to the glass. There was no penalty call here. I'm the first one that's going to say that was wrong, even though I bleed blue and white. The kid is in concussion protocol today. The call was an obvious one to me, a diehard Toronto fan sitting in the 28th row. I can't believe that four refs missed it. Well, it comes back to a point that I've been harping on all season long. The refs are too busy looking for the little stick taps through the neutral zone uh, that they're missing these bigger penalties, bigger headshots. And I, I certainly understand there have been injuries to guys getting whacked on the hands the last couple of years. Uh, and that, you know, if the, the stick taps affect the ability of teams to move the puck and score goals, which is what the NHL is all about. But I think the bigger player safety question of headshots should continue to be the priority and you can't be missing blows to a head like this. And you talked about your team. Uh, Justin Schultz is on IR taking an elbow to the face that went uncalled. Uh, and so the, there needs to be more priority on something that's having a bigger impact and honestly a bigger impact long term. I, I get a broken hand, a broken finger is not <laughs> ideal, um, but blows to the head are significantly worse, in my opinion, than the potential of getting whacked on the hands or even just whacked on the stick uh, from a guy. And so I think the NHL needs to look at what they're really prioritizing as far as the refs go. AJ, I got to give you a nod here before we sign off, and that is to say you got to maybe advertise how you what you're taking to make you get through this show because you were in fine shape. Uh, I, I wouldn't have guessed that you were a little under the weather, so kudos to you for pulling <laughs> it off, partner. And that wraps up uh, this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholz24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We hope you enjoyed this show and circle back to get more more roster updates, injury news, and other topical news from around the NHL. It's October 3rd, 31st, Halloween. Have a great one tonight, and be watchful of the kids out there. We ask you also to look out for Podcast Hockey Pod every week so that you get the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contest. So long, everybody. 